This is the Southern Hills Church of God, and this is our podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today. We hope this inspires you and guides you and builds your faith. God bless and enjoy this message. Amen and amen. Wasn't last week just so amazing? Just a um, re- renew is the word that just a renewal. It was just uh, to refresh my spirit. It was something that I needed and God showed up in a mighty way. I think it's amazing that man can have their plans and we can have our orders the way that we want them. But when the Holy Spirit decides to do what he wants, we throw those orders out to the window and say, God, whatever you want, that's what I'll do. And that's what happened last Sunday. So I'm very thankful for that time of prayer and worship that you had. But I want to go ahead and dive in today. And, and uh, we're, we're in this series, we're talking about giving. We're talking about not just giving your money, but also giving your time, the uh, giving of your gifts. And, and I want to start out today by talking about a boy by the name of Leo. Of Leo. And it's actually this, this, this boy is, is in a children's book called Leo the Late Bloomer. Has anybody ever heard of that book? I'm the only one. Okay, Leo the Late, it's a, it's a great, great book. You need to read it. But to give you a synopsis of this story, you've got Leo's dad who's, who's worried because his boy can't read or write. And he shares his anxiety with Leo's mom, and they, they talk about it, and the dad's concerned. Have you ever been concerned over your children? About maybe this isn't happening the way that it's supposed to, or they're a little late to the the, the, the game here, and they're 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 not um, progressing like they should. And that was Leo in this case. He had anxiety over uh, his his dad over his boy not being able to read or write. And his wife says to him, she says, "Honey, you need to stop watching him so closely because bloomers can't bloom when you're hovering over them." Hmm. Well, the story goes on and the dad backs off just a little bit and he doesn't press as much. And as the story goes on through the winter months, this boy tries and tries and tries to learn to read and write. And before long, he begins to sound words out and he begins to read. And the book ends with one of the greatest things I have ever heard a child say when he looks at his dad and say, Dad, I made it. I did it. I finally did it. Something I've not been able to do before, but, but I was able to do it and God helped me. I made it. I made it. And many of us are like that late, or the, like that, like Leo. We might have shot out right out of the blocks and hit the pavement running for Jesus Christ. Others might have stayed just a little bit behind. Not, not that you wanted to be behind or that you wanted to disobey, but because sometimes not all seeds grow at once. Sometimes seeds take a little bit of of time. They don't sprout overnight. And some take time to water and just have the right amount of sunlight. And one thing that I've noticed in ministry is at the beginning of the year, most people set out goals. They set out things that they want to accomplish. They set out things knowing that the the previous disappointments of the year before, they don't want to go through those same issues again. So they set things in place to guard themselves from going there again. And at some point in their journey with Christ, at some point in, 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 in doing just that, it's like the light clicks. 
the light comes on and you begin to do exactly what you set your heart out to. You begin to do exactly what you put your mind to. I see it in my kids. When Aiden learned to read, he learned to read at two years old. Okay, that's, that's really early to read. He's in the second grade and reading on a 4.5 grade level. He reads very well. But Israel came along and he, he didn't progress the way that Aiden did. Adam just, he just got it. He just knew what it was to read. He could pick out a book and just began to go. And Israel had, had a hard time and I could see the disappointment over his face. On dad, he, he did it that quick. Why can't I do it that quick? Why can't I read that fast? And the disappointment set in and I was like, buddy, just hold on. You're going to get it. I promise you. Just keep trying. Just keep trying. And here recently, he's beginning to sound words out. He's beginning to read just a little bit. And to see the excitement on his face to say, dad, I made it. I did it. I set my mind to it. And it happened. You see, as a child of God, we set out goals and we set things that we want to accomplish. Some of them see the fruit of it just like that and we sit back and we look at those people and you question God why can't I see it that quick why can't I see it just like they did because son and daughter let me tell you sometimes a seed takes a little bit longer to grow and I can't live my life to compare with one another I just live the life and run the race that God gave me and see as, as we read our text today I want to talk about somebody who had everything, but then at the same time had nothing. This person knew that something needed to be changed. Knew that he needed to declare something in his life, but he just didn't quite know what it was, so he asked Jesus. We find the story in Mark chapter 10, if you'd go with me there today. Mark chapter 10, verses 13 is where we're going to begin today. And here you see a direct relationship between Jesus interacting with young children. And then also what happens when a young rich ruler, as he sees the Lord loving on these children. And as he watches this, he hears Jesus say to them that they must be like the little children or they will not inherit the kingdom of God. And it sprouts some, some thoughts to his head and he needed to know the answer. He needed to search out this Jesus to ask him, why is it that I must be like the little children? So in Mark chapter 10 we read, it says, people were bringing little children to Jesus. For him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms and placed his hands on them and blessed them. So he hears this statement that I must be like the little children. And that sparked a curiosity inside his head. I wonder why Jesus said that. So as Jesus kind of completed his mission there, and the Bible says 
in verse 17 as Jesus started on his way. A man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? He answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all of these I have kept since I was a boy. So you can see the confusion in his head. I've been living my life the way I thought I was supposed to. Why can't I inherit the kingdom? Jesus looked at him and loved him. That's important. Because before correcting him, he loved him. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard is it for the rich man to enter the kingdom of God? The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, Children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? You see, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Who then can be saved? As if to say, we all struggle with the same thing. If he's not going to inherit, then what must I do to inherit the kingdom? And then Peter spoke up and said, Master, we have left everything to follow you. Truly, I tell you, Jesus said, no one has left home or brothers, or sisters, or mother, or father, or children, or fields, for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, along with persecutions, along with persecutions. He said this life isn't going to be all peaches and cream. There will be persecutions. And in the age to come, eternal Life, but many who are first will be last and the last first. I want to break down this passage today and talk about this ruler, this young rich man. And how he kind of lived his life and kind of what the Bible talks about him and tells us about him. And I want to relate it to our lives today and show that it's not about the possessions that you have, but it's do the possessions have you. And so I want to talk today about, and I want to give you some context, you know, about this young rich man. He was wealthy. He had a certain independence that most people did not have. He was able to take control of his life and he could look at life and decide what he was going to do and what he was not going to do. He, he had everything that he needed. Wealth gives you options. And he had all the wealth in the world, whatever he needed, at the snap of his hand, he could have it. So he thought, hey, I'm living a pretty good life. And you see this morning, I don't want you to take my words and say, well, pastor said it's wrong to be wealthy. I never said that. It's not a bad thing to be wealthy. There you have options when you're wealthy. 
It's not, there's nothing wrong with having nice things. The issue that we're going to deal with today is not whether you have them or not. It's the issue of whether or not they have you. And what I want us to declare today is that we will not allow possessions to control us, but rather if the leading of the Holy Spirit working through us. You see, we know that this rich man, he was rich, he was wealthy. He was also a ruler, which means he had influence around the entire kingdom. This young man had a certain self-esteem and clout within his field. People looked up to him. What else do we know about him? The Bible mentions that he was a good guy. He had good morals. Had good character. He's the kind of person you want as your neighbor. You can trust him. And we know this. Why? Because the scripture declares that he kept all of the commandments. So we know that morally he is inside a good person. We also know that since he was young, time was on his side. His entire life was ahead of him. He's nice, well-respected, lives a clean life, is young. And because of all these characteristics that we find out about him, we know some things about his personality. Let me tell you something. He has courage. Well, how do I know this? We know this because he's a ruler. Because of of the position that he holds. Rulers at this time were doing their best to plot against Christ and to bring his kingdom down. They were meeting secretly in different places trying to sabotage this man called Jesus. Rulers didn't go around Jesus very often. And if they did, they would ask him questions to trick him. Quite unlike what this rich young ruler did. This young man had no intentions to trick Jesus. He walks right up to him in broad daylight and with great courage begins to ask him a question. Why? Because he knew that something was missing in his life. He just didn't know what it was. He sat back and looked at everything that he owned, everything that he had. He looked at his good morals, the fact that he, 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 he goes through with all the commandments. But yet there is a hole inside of his life that he didn't know how to fill. We also know that he was spontaneous. How do I know this? Verse 17 that as, said that as Jesus was on his way, that the young man decided to run towards Jesus. Jesus was probably walking opposite of this man. And when the ruler saw Jesus from a distance, he ran to him. He needed to catch him. Rulers in those days didn't run to Jesus. Often they ran away from him. They didn't want anything to do with him. Rulers were used to having people run to them, begging things for things that they needed. And here we see that this young man just wanted to have a conversation with Jesus. So much so that with desperation, he laid down his pride and did something that his, that his, his title said he should not do. He ran towards Jesus in hopes to catch him. He has courage. He's spontaneous. We also... Know that he was humble. You say, Pastor, how do we know that? We know this because as soon as he catches up to Jesus, he kneels to him. He kneels to him. Shows him respect. Again, rulers were used to people kneeling to them. This was something new where you had a ruler kneeling to Jesus. He wanted answers so bad that for a moment laid aside who he was and who his title said he was. And said, I'm going to kneel before this man because I want to know more about what he just told those little children. 
He was humble. And what else do we know? We know that he was open. He showed genuine realism here. He was transparent. He didn't wear a mask. His true self came out. Just as soon as he found the Lord, he stopped him and started asking him questions. He recognized him as a good teacher. Wanting to know what he could do to inherit life. And I'm just wondering, as I kind of uh, think about this story, what life events had happened recently for him to start pondering his life choices. The Bible never says what goes on. I wonder if there's somebody back into the kingdom that was sick, that was asking about life after death. I just wonder if he himself was going through some issues and he wanted to make sure that if things ended abruptly that he knew that he would inherit life and so all these questions are coming to him now and he's wondering about them and he says time can't go by without me asking the master what must I do to inherit eternal life? So he was open to something different than he had ever known. And then Jesus intrigued him and he was interested in more information and so he sought him out and isn't it interesting that rulers are supposed to have all the uh, all the answers but all this man had was questions he was searching it didn't matter what others thought he had to know the truth and he had to know it right then and see so he was open to hearing what Jesus said or had to say but you know there's a difference in being open and receiving what you heard I can be open to hearing what it is you want to say to me. And I can have ears to hear. But if I'm not open to it, then what does having ears really mean? You see, not, not only do we have to hear the correction from Jesus. Do we have to hear what we're supposed to do? This purpose, this thing called life that we're doing, we pray to him and ask him what it is we're supposed to do with this life. And we pray to God and when he answers us, we receive what he says and we do what he said. But after this young, rich ruler heard what he had to do, the question next was, was he willing? I want you to note that if we stopped in the story right here, we could say that this young man had a lot going for him. But in the middle of this story, we see Jesus looking beyond the face and the clothing and he goes right to the heart of this man a week ago. I did this little craft and um, a devotion with the kids and we sat around the table and I gave them brown, I gave them brown um, paper bags and I gave them markers and I said, I want you to make a mask. I want you to draw your favorite, decorate it with whatever you like, with whatever you want, how you think you look, just decorate it the way that you feel best. And they took a couple minutes and they drew things here and they drew things there. Some had large noses, some had little noses, big ears, little ears, big eyes, little, just whatever they wanted to draw, that's what they drew. And then after all of that craft time was over, I said, I want you to put on your mask. And I want you to look in the mirror to see what you drew, to see what you look like. And then we begin to, to tell the differences in what they see in their face and what they drew. And then we began to talk about what do you see in yourself and what does God see in you. 
And we started to relate this to sometimes we aren't always who we think we should be. And so we try to act differently than who we are. And we get ourselves into situations and we do things we shouldn't do because we're trying to be what the world tells us to be and not who God says we should be. And so I began to talk to them about what they see isn't always what God wants. And that we have to make sure that when we go around in life that we're not wearing a mask. That we don't try to hide who God has called us to be. But rather we are everything that he wants us to be. And you see, we, we, I look at this ruler. And I can see that Jesus saw his clothing. I'm pretty sure it was the most, most elegant of clothing. I'm pretty sure he was wearing some type of shoe. Maybe even Nikes. You just never know. And he's doing something and Jesus looks past what he saw. He looks past this elegant man and sees the heart of the matter. And what was truly disturbing this ruler. I believe Jesus saw three things in this young man. Number one, I think he saw somebody who was spiritually frustrated. Spiritually frustrated. Jesus could see frustration all over his face. In verse 21, Jesus goes to the heart of the issue after he hears about all the good things that he had been doing. And Jesus says, one thing you lack. What an interesting phrase. Because this young man had just gotten through saying everything that he had. And then Jesus comes right back saying, but what you're missing. What you don't have. This young man did not come to Jesus out of a sense of guilt. This guy had his act together. He gave answers to people. And I don't believe that when he came running to Jesus that he had a high sense of guilt in his life. In fact, he thought he was a pretty good person. In fact, if we go even more, he didn't even know what was wrong with him. He just knew something was missing. And something had to be done about it. He was frustrated. It's frustrating when you think you are giving it the best you can. And, and you're doing all that you know to do. You go to church. You be the best person you can be. And yet there's something deep down inside that seems to be missing. And no matter what you do or no matter how hard you try, there's a hole down deep in your soul that you don't know what to do to fill it. And I think that this young rich man was there. And no matter what he did or no matter what he tried, he still felt that he was missing something. He was spiritually frustrated. Have you ever been there? Maybe I'm the only one and I'm preaching to myself this morning. Come on, but I, there's times in my life where I've been spiritually frustrated. I mentioned it before. God, I saw the miracle in their life. Where's mine? Spiritually frustrated. God, their sons and daughters came back. Why are mine still living in the world? Spiritually frustrated. And you ask questions. Think, Why haven't I seen it yet? I've been praying. I've tithed my money. I served inside the nursery once a month. I did what you took. I did everything I thought I was supposed to. And I'm spiritually frustrated because I don't see it yet. There's a hole that pierces the heart. And no matter how long you pray, Joe, no matter how many months you serve, no matter how many meals you cook, no matter how many tears you cry, it always feels like there's something missing. 
and we play the comparison game. Why can't I be like him? Why can't I be like her? And then this negative mindset sets in. And then the spiritual frustration turns into complaining. And then the enemy sinks his teeth in. Because he's got you right where he wants you. And then it's everything's awful. Nothing's ever going to get better. I can't believe I made these choices. And exactly what the enemy wants to do in your life is get you to a place where you're spiritually frustrated. And he wants you to dwell on it. He wants you to think on it. He wants you to, to that be the thought on your mind every minute of every day. Because he wants to see you defeated. I'm telling you, child of God, my Jesus is still a miracle working God. He's still a prayer answering God. And there's nothing in this life that you'll ever do that he hasn't already answered. Don't be spiritually beaten down. But rather, walk in submission to the power of the Holy Spirit. Fall back flat on your face again and say, God, if it takes another minute, if it takes another month, if it takes another year, it doesn't matter to me how long it takes. I am willing to do what you have called me to do until my prayer gets answered. He was spiritually frustrated. Jesus also found this man to be spiritually immature. Like the boy from the beginning of this message, Leo, this rich ruler was a late bloomer. He's not a late bloomer socially or, or educationally or even in his money. But he's a late bloomer spiritually. Jesus asked him if he had kept the commandments and he said, yes, I keep them all. I could almost sense a sense of pride when he said that. Yes, master, I'm the best servant you could ever ask for. Jesus asked him, had you kept the commandments? And when he said all, you could almost hear Jesus mumble, are you sure? All? Have you kept them all? Huh. You see, the rich man was not ignorant, but he was naive. He knows the right answer when Jesus asks the questions. You see, some people can take a test and, 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 and fill in all the blanks. This young man had an answer for every question. He said, I don't kill, I don't steal, I don't lie. I don't do any of those things. I even honor my parents. And then Jesus in his own way says, well, what about the first commandment? It says in Exodus chapter 20, you shall have no other gods before me. How, how, how about that one, sir? Or how about the New Testament when, when he said, love the Lord your God with all your mind, your heart, your soul, and your strength. And then it says to love your neighbor. You see, the young ruler was doing a great job with his neighbor. But God was not first. And when God is not first in your life, that's when frustration sets in. You'll always find a frustrated Christian 
When you discover that Christ is not number one in their life, you show me a Christian that does not submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, and I'll show you a Christian who is spiritually immature. Because we, we do things that have no spiritual significance. We complain about things that have no spiritual significance. And Jesus found this man to be spiritually immature. He also found this man to be spiritually independent. You see, I can tell that he's spiritually independent because when he comes to Jesus, he asks the question, what's he ask? He says, what must I do to have eternal life? She says the wrong question. He's spiritually immature because he's made it about himself and he's spiritually independent because it's all about him. He said, what must I do? It's a question we all ask. I ask the question a lot. I always want to know what it is I have to do. What should I do better? And see, this young man just wanted to know so he could go and do it. He wanted to check it off his list. And his, in, in, in his mind, he had kept all the commandments, lived a good moral life, fed the hungry, clothed the naked, and all he needed from Jesus was a simple answer so he could go about the rest of his day, check this off his list, and get on his knees and complete this next step. You see, the question is not what shall I do, but the question is what shall I be? What shall I be? Too many of us are trying to, to do things that we aren't. And Jesus says, it's not what you do from here on out, my friend. It's what you are from here on out that counts. I want you to be totally mine. And Jesus looks down on, at this man who has everything his life put together. And he says, one thing you lack Give up control. Give up control. You see, for Jesus Christ, the source of spiritual fulfillment is a dependence. That's why Jesus started out the story with the children. He said, if you want to get into heaven, you must be like these little children. Because why? These children depend on me. My children depend on me for everything. For food on the table they can't cook. For money in their lunch account at school, they don't make any money. For toys in their room, they can't go out and buy it on, on their own. Everything when they're sick, they can't go to the doctor. They can't drive their car. They are totally dependent upon me. And Jesus is telling his son and his daughter this morning that if you want me to do everything in your life that you've been praying for, have total dependence upon me. You see, the source of spiritual fulfillment for the ruler was independence. He was able to do it on his own. The thing that God cannot or will not deal with is an independent person. Why? Because he's not going to force feed himself inside of you. You have to want him. You have to seek him. And when you seek him, he's always there. He's looking for somebody dependent upon God. So what does Jesus do? He puts him through some good old-fashioned Christian counseling. I want you to notice what he says in verse number 21. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go and sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. Notice Jesus loves him first. 
He loves and then he responded. When you deal with situations, never deal with them with anything other than love. Jesus loved and correction was so much easier after that. Why? Because he knew that he loved them. And then Jesus said to go and sell and then to come to me. I really don't think he heard that second part because all he heard was go and sell. And he's like, oh, wait a second. Do you realize how much I've got? I'm the rich young ruler. I've got everything, but I'm a humble man. I've, I've, I've got everything that I need. And Jesus said, but one thing you lack, son. Go and sell everything you have and depend upon me. You see, possessions are not the issue here. Praise God for those. Praise God that you have a car. Praise God that you have a house. Praise God that you have a boat, right? Those are nice things. It's not about having possessions. It's do the possessions have you. And for the ruler, the possessions is all he had. You see, there's different levels to control. You have a top level. It's the best one. It's the one I hope we all live under. It's the level where God controls both my possessions and me. He has ownership over everything. What he's entrusted me with, I give back to him. I tithe my money. I tithe my time. I tithe my gifts and my abilities. Everything that I have, I know I have it because of him. And then you have this middle level where they take these gifts that they have and they find a way to multiply it for themselves. And then you have the lower level, which is where this man was, where he had his possessions and his possessions had him. And here's what happens. I want you to look at the reactions of these people. The rich ruler, his reaction is found in verse number 22. It says, at this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. He left his encounter with the Jesus can you imagine seeing Jesus face to face and leaving sad? That's what happened. He had an encounter with Jesus Christ. And when the conversation was over, he tucked his head down real low. And he walked away like a little puppy because Jesus just told him to sell his wealth. He was sad. Well, then you have the reaction of, of Christ. The ruler wasn't the only one sad. Jesus was sad as well. Why? Because he looked at this young man and saw the potential that he had. He saw what he could have been had, and should have been only if he had turned everything over to Jesus. He should have experienced joy. He should have had happiness. He should have been fulfilled. He should have had that gaping hole filled up. But he left away sad. So because Jesus loves people so much, he was sad too. You see, Jesus responded after he saw the man walk away and he turned to his disciples. And Jesus turned around and said to them, How hard is it for the rich man to enter the kingdom of God? You see, I want you to notice something. There was not a question mark after that phrase. There was an exclamation point. Jesus wasn't asking a question. Did you catch that? He wasn't asking a question. He was making a statement. 
he was looking at his disciples and he's throwing his hands up. How hard can it be? All I'm asking you to do is depend on me. That's it. He wasn't asking him, did you know? He was telling him, how hard can it be to enter the kingdom of God? And then you have the reaction of the disciples. When Jesus said what he said, the, the, the disciples were amazed. They were shocked. Verse 24, the disciples were amazed at his words. And then again in verse number 26, the disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? You see, Jewish culture was brought up to believe that the, that the blessings of God were a direct sign of the approval of God upon a person. Therefore, they felt that if you are rich and blessed more than someone else, then you had God's approval. And that mindset is so wrong. It's so wrong. Because Jesus loves you whether you have little or whether you have much. His approval stamp was on you from the minute that he formed you in the womb. He knew you before your mommy and, and dad knew your name. His stamp of approval was on it then. You see, it's not the blessing that you collect from God that makes you blessed by him. It's rather the blessing that you commit to others. So with God, we can say it's not your collection, it's your commitment. It's not what you take in that determines how blessed you are. It's what you give that determines how blessed you are. Have you ever seen somebody that gives everything they have and God continually gives back? It happens all the time. There's been men and women inside this church that were here from the very beginning that gave, that gave, that gave, that gave. And what happened, Miss Paula? They kept, were given and were given and were given. And God continued to bless them. Why? Because their heart to give. And all Jesus is saying to us today that if you want that type of blessing, depend upon me. Depend upon me. So what's the point? I'm glad you asked. What are the requirements to be a successful steward? Realize that it's impossible to find spiritual fulfillment in possessions. It's impossible. The clearest part of this story, the icing on the cake, is the fact that we walk away from this story and immediately realize there's a guy who has everything yet has nothing. You don't get any closer to God with the more you have. Verse 25, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who's rich to enter the kingdom of God. When you die, you take nothing with you except your relationship with Jesus Christ. That is the most important thing we can have. Number two, only Jesus alone can give spiritual fulfillment. It's that simple. Mark chapter 10 here. The disciples were amazed and said, who then could be saved? Jesus looked at them with man. This is impossible. But it said, but not with God. All things are possible with God. You want to be fulfilled in your life? Fulfilled in your marriage? Fulfilled in your money? Fulfilled in your gifts? Fulfilled in whatever thing you do? Put God first. Spiritual fulfillment can only come from Him. And then number three, if you want spiritual fulfillment, you must make a declaration and give everything to God. Everything. You have to be like a, like, 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 a, like, like a Peter here in verse 28. Then Peter spoke up. We have left everything to follow you. Then you see the response of Jesus. Truly, I tell you, 
no one who has left will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. The many who will who are first will be last. And the last first. You see, God cannot begin to flow through us and in us until we first give him everything. My time, my money, the resources. He wants us to be like his children. There's some music playing softly. He started out this passage with talking about the children. And I think it was one of the most important parts of this passage because he was telling us, if you want to inherit the kingdom, don't be independent of me. Be dependent upon me. Let me see you through. Let me help you. Have you ever wondered what happened to that rich young ruler? You ever wondered? I don't know the complete answer, but I think I have a partial answer, and I'd like to share. I think he walked away sad. The Bible says that much. But I don't think the story ended there. I think he watched Jesus go through the trial and the death and resurrection. I think he saw the open tomb and the church born in Acts. You see, in the book of Acts, it talks about when the early church was born, there was a man they call, they call Barnabas who sold a large piece of land and came and laid it at the apostles' feet. I wonder if this young man saw what true sacrifice was in the life of Jesus. And I wonder if he felt convicted for that day that he walked away from him sad. That he went to the apostles and he sold everything that he had. And he laid it at their feet as his act of submission. I don't know that 100% to be true. Maybe one day when I get to heaven, he'll let me know if that was him or not. But what I want to tell you this morning. Lay down your possessions. Don't let them control you. But rather let the power of the living God work through you. To see miracles. To see healing. To see people saved and come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. You know, Martin Luther said, and I'll close with this. He said, I have held many things in my hands and have lost them all. But whatever I have placed in God's hands, that I still possess. You see, to, re to receive all that God has for you, you must give all you have. Don't wait to bloom. Start now. Today you can show the fruit that God purposed you to show so to sum up this message in one sentence, to be blessed beyond measure, what's the answer? Give it back to the one who gave it to you. To be a good steward. 
understand it belongs to him first. And what I love about God is that when you obey, God turns around and blesses you with more than you could ever imagine. Won't you test them? Give it to God. With all eyes closed and all heads bowed, if you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I want to give everything that I have to Christ. I don't want to hold anything back. I need the blessings of God in my life. I need the Holy Spirit working in me and through me. I want the joy that comes from being free. And I want to declare today that I will not allow my possessions to control me, but rather whatever you have given me, I have committed back to you. And I want us to pray this morning. I want us to pray that we become a church that gives everything back to him, that doesn't take anything for granted, that knows that what we have today is because of him. And if that's you today, and you say, God, I need you to bless my home. I need you to bless my marriage. I need you to bless my job, my bank account. I need you to bless my life. I want you to pray with me this morning and make a declaration that everything I have is his. Would you help me pray? Lord God, I thank you this morning. Lord God, I praise you today. Lord God, everything I have belongs to you. Everything that I have in my My Lord, it's all because that you have shown it fit to bless me with it. But God, I don't want to hoard my possessions because I still need you in my life. I still need the blessings of God working through me. I still want to see my children raised and and to become disciples of, of you. I still want to see my home being blessed, my church being blessed, my job being blessed. So God, we commit these things back to you. Jesus, Jesus, God, I praise you. I thank you, Lord. Lord, let us be good stewards. And it's in your name I pray. And everybody said, amen and amen. Isn't God good? Praise the Lord.